This episode is brought to you by the generous patrons who supported us over at patreon.com slash inspiration point. So we want to give a big thank you to our patrons, Kate, Prostaskius, Leroy, Josh, Tiana, Falangor, Spike, Chris, Konohamaru, Logan, Punchin' Potato, and Jen Solo. We got a new one in there. That's right. And thank you again for helping us to put a little more inspiration out into the world. And now, on to the show. Mm-hmm. Hey, everybody! Oh, Welcome boy. back to another springtime episode of Inspiration Point. <laughs> I'm Andrew. <laughs> I feel like that is the, your true voice. And Brack is my spirit animal. And it's in what you normally use is the mask. Um it, it is. Brack yeah. is is uh it, it's like it's like Batman, you know. Brack Andrew knows the secret my- ingredient. He was always the secret ingredient of that show. Right, Brack is nothing but raw secret ingredient. That, that, that's why you know Cartoon Planet was more enjoyable than Space Ghost Coast to Coast, because because mm. Brack is just superior to Moltar. Um, He's superior to everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, fight me. <laughs> I don't want to. I'm. I no, agree. No, no. Not not you. I was I was talking to. The uh, the hypothetical person out in the ether who who would try who would dare to disagree. So space about, ghost, mm, space ghost, space ghost. <laughs> I will destroy you if you don't mind. <laughs> if you don't mind. Uh, I I used to listen to the CD of like Cartoon Planet music. Oh yeah, up. I was always like heavily restricted on things I could have in my music collection. And Mm -hmm. so I never had like a lot of popular music until I got into high school and about like age 15 or 16. And some of the restrictions started to get loosened. Um, I, I was in the same boat. It it was always, uh, it was always very, very difficult. uh, And, it still makes me uh, recoil a bit at just how difficult it was for me to try to convince my my friends who could listen to regular music that Christian rock was also cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a hard sell. Hard sell. It's a hard sell. Yeah. Um, you know, some of them were a little bit more nuanced, you might say. Like, uh, I used to listen to Freedom Call. Uh, oh, freedom calls cool yeah um but that was really kind of like uh like i didn't even know i was buying christian music when i bought it like mm. i just thought oh this is a cool metal album and then you know he started really listening to the lyrics i was like oh okay all right there mm-hmm. there, there is messaging here but there it wasn't go. just like a like a lot of them that just say jesus over and over again oh um, yeah i or some i was like the you know, the classics like DC talk was always fun. And, uh, um, five iron frenzy. That was the first band I ever heard. That was ska. That was always, Oh, right. You know, gotta get that, get that trumpet. 
Yeah, you know, there was some stuff I could get away with. I, you know, I didn't gain appreciation from my parents' music. And I'm sure if I had liked any of that, I would have been totally fine. Uh, sure. It was it was trying to like the things that my friends liked, like, you know, rap or hard rock. Oh, or something. yeah. You yeah. know, it was always heavily restricted. But, you know, I'm, if I wanted to listen to Queen, it was fine, which is just hilarious when you consider a lot of the the themes oh. that existed in there. Oh, sure. <laughs> you know, or even the Beatles, for that matter. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, my parents had never mentioned Bob Dylan growing up. And that's really kind of too bad. Mm. Although I'm sure I wouldn't have appreciated it at the time. Um, yeah. None of us would. Kids, kids, kids don't get it. And they really, they really just don't. You know, I've been, I've been trying to convince the my new foreign exchange student to try out Elden Ring, the greatest thing that's ever happened to America, and um, or the world, the the world, humankind, really. <laughs> um, certainly, the best thing to ever happen to games uh, or gaming uh, in general. Uh, but no, he wants to play Fortnite. Uh, or GTA five. You know, and I just, Ugh, God, I can't stand so five years ago. I can't Ugh. stand to even look at them anymore. They're so it, it's, it's like now my vision's been opened and people around me just want to eat McDonald's, you know? Yeah. You know, or like when you're young and you think Olive Garden is fancy, yeah, you know what I mean, and then you and then you discover like real restaurants, and then you're like, oh, Olive Garden is really not be- much better than Chipotle, if at all. Hey, I like Chipotle. Man. Yeah, and I love Chipotle. Chipotle. I'm, <laughs> I just mean in terms of like, oh, fanciness. Yeah, you know, like, like is this better? This is just a lot of bread and cheese, really. I mean, we. I mean, I, I, would, I would eat it. <laughs> I will never knock bread and cheese, bro. Never, ever. But yeah, and but I mean, what what did we say when uh, when we were when we did our review, right? Like, it is a mature game. Yes, and it's yes. you know, and I guess I shouldn't spend all my time talking about Elden Ring. It keeps coming up in class, and like, you keep comparing everything to Elden Ring. And because it's just so firmly in the zeitgeist, right? One of my, one of my students joked, they said, you know, cause I started a swear jar and one ah. of them was like, we're going to start an Elden ring jar. And every time you talk about Elden ring, you got to put a dollar. <laughs> I was going to say that sucker was going to fill up fast. Yeah. I said, fast. no way guys. I'm a teacher, man. I don't, I don't make that much. <laughs> I don't got that kind of money. <laughs> Although I did get a raise and a bonus today. So that was nice. Um, hey, congratulations. Yeah. So we can eat for a little while longer. That's nice. Nice. Um, nice. It's nice not to too eat bad. longer. Absolutely. Very good. So, uh, things are, are going well on, on my end for the most part. How about you? Uh, things are going good. Oh, and, uh, by the way, listeners, um, his name is Adam. Just throwing that out there. Oh, did I not say and I'm Adam? <laughs> was I just like, let me tell you about Elden Ring. <laughs> you you um, dove right in, man. I just I just dive in. <laughs> Who cares? Right? I'm there's Andrew and then there's not Andrew, right? And well, you you started out with Brack, you know, so I it just it. threw you from the get go. Yeah. I mean, imagine this is someone's first episode. They're gonna be like, what in the heck is happening here? 
Um, and that's the vibe I go for. What in the <laughs> heck is happening? Um, Let's continue you know, and find out. I've been toying around in Elden Ring as well. Um, and, you know, cue everybody who's listening. Just, gr- oh, here we go. Yeah, here we go again. But I've hit, uh, I think I'm up to level 131. Mm. Uh, and I've been tooling around just trying to collect like different cool armor sets and things like that. I'll, I'll look for things on the wiki, like, uh, yeah, you know, different neat looking armor sets or weapons and stuff. And right now I'm trying to get my hands on the magma blades, which are dropped by these little, by these weird, lizard men that basically look kind of like like salamanders mm. that stand probably like eight or nine feet tall but they have these like long twig thin spindly arms oh those things in the mines they're yeah. those things are they're, evil. Uh, yeah they're pretty um, gnarly man i hate those things yeah these ones uh they're they're freaking weird but anyway the there are two that hold these magma blades and they you know swing them around and try to whack you to death with them and but the only way typically with a lot of special weapons and stuff in Elden Ring usually there's a pretty good chance that a thing will drop if you kill the thing that wields it or wears it usually. Yeah. It might. And depending on your arcane rating, you might get a better chance, right? The RNG on this or uh, for anyone unfamiliar with the acronym, that's the random number generation. Basically it's your random drop chance. The chance that this thing will drop is literally one percent yep and there are only two dudes that i'm aware of that drop it so i've been just farming run along kill kill respawn kill kill respawn and i'm Mm -hmm. just you know my eyes are just starting to. i just can't stand to do that like i was i was just like rune farming for a while. And I was like, this is boring. I hate this. And I just like, I just stopped. And I was like, stop worrying about everything. Right. Like, what do I really want to do here? And you know, there's no wrong way to play it. Obviously, you know, enjoy. Oh, sure. Want to enjoy like you're running around collecting things. That's great. I just want to like run around aimlessly and run into stuff. And what's so Mm -hmm. great is that you have a chance to really do that. You know, like, yeah, you do. It's very likely you're going to run into something interesting. Unlike uh, Dragon Age Inquisition, where you run around boring maps and every now and then something vaguely interesting happens, but mostly it's boring. Uh, And you're just looking for the dragon because it's the only thing that's cool. Yeah. Uh, um, I've been wanting to ask because I'm not sure about how everyone else plays, but do you save all the gear that you find apart from like duplicates. Yes. Yeah. In Me fact, too. In fact, I save two of everything except for armor. 
Yeah. Uh, but like in terms of weapons, I get two of everything just in case I want a power stance. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I collect all the outfits because I love dress up in games. I love yeah. costume m- matching and stuff like so that. So fun. And I love that this game doesn't affix a bunch of stats that like you have to take yep. um, to different gear like you where you feel compelled. Um, yep. You can really just do whatever look you're going for. Um, if you get hit, yeah. you're going to lose half your health regardless of what you're wearing. So pretty just, much just wear whatever you want. Right. Like have fun. Yep. Um, yep. Uh, just put more points in vigor. <laughs> that's yeah. It. Yeah, that's true. Vigor, at, at least I think for a lot of newbies like us is uh, extremely underrated. Uh, you want those hit points. And I've Get been them. dumping a ton into endurance. Um, yep. You know, I want to run around in heavy armor and do uh, good rolling and all that yep. good stuff. Um, I've also been trying to learn the parry mechanics really well. And I've been watching videos that show like frame rates on every shield. Holy and, because, man, when you parry a boss and you it's it feels so good. <laughs> I haven't even tried it like. Like popping bubble wrap, forget it. Parrying a boss is the most satisfying thing there is. Parrying him multiple times. Like when, okay, so I, the first time I beat Crucible Knight, Uh I was trying to dodge and and do all that stuff. And he was just beating the crap out of me. And then I was like, forget it. I put on the Misericord dagger and the, um, and the parrot and just the simple buckler. And there I just, go. I just man moded this guy and I was just like, he would swing. I was like, pow, get that out of here. Stab, you know? And oh, man. just over and over and over again until he was toast. And I was just like, dude, I felt so amazing. <laughs> it sounds like it. <laughs> Cause it's so hard to do. It's so hard to pull it off. And so, and like, yeah, I definitely got hit a couple of times and I had to like back off and, and drink a potion and, you know, right. like some of his magic abilities, like you can't parry those. But um, everything else, you know, I just felt like I absolutely owned him. And that made every failed attempt feel that just that more cathartic. Oh, totally. You know, you like know, I didn't cheese I'm you. I found the this. strategy. I employed it. I practiced it and I overcame, you there know. You and that's just, ugh. but this is turning into an Elden Ring episode again. Yeah. Here's my so, transition. I'm going to throw this out here. Okay. All right. I have an idea. I, I was like watching, ideas. I was watching one of the Elden Ring review videos. I've been watching a lot of them. And I got an idea for how I want to approach my next Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Hmm. And, and I've been thinking, like, what can I take from this game that I can put in D&D? Um, a little bit more mm. and in my last few campaigns have been a, a lot of sort of like home base building management type stuff. Uh-huh. Um, I want to do, I want to dump you somewhere. And then I realized, Oh God, I'm going to make a domain of dread. I'm going to actually <laughs> go for it. I'm going to actually, I'm going to put players in the miss. It's not going to be Barovia. 
it's probably not going to be anywhere that's published. I mean, it's going to be something I make. And well, and what you ought to do is and I'll um, use the Van Richten's book to yeah, kind of put the that's things exactly together. where I was going. Yeah, yeah. And, and figure out exactly what kind of stuff I want to do. But it's definitely going to be dark fantasy. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to. We're, I'm going to like make a bunch of screens in like incarnate or like Photoshop or something. Mm-hmm. And. And I'm just going to show them that map. Like they're not going to have an overhead map, at least not for a while. Right. And like, they'll have to like discover that because they're going to know absolutely nothing about this world. And it literally every screen is going to have like points of interest hmm. and, and they're just going to go there. And then that's going to lead to the next thing, which is going to lead to the next thing. It's going to be like a point and click adventure. Um, interesting yeah that's that's what i want to try next so i'll have an overhead map i know where everything leads at least sure. va- at least vaguely um you know everything is just a name and a quick note but um you know they'll they'll decide literally what they're interested in by looking and going and and i got inspired by this when i was watching one of the review videos and and they were talking about that moment that you first exit the cave and enter Limgrave. Yeah. By the first step waypoint. Yeah. And you look yeah. out and they, and they were like analyzing that frame and they showed like, there's the church, there's the NPC, there's the grace, like the bonfire. Yeah. And then yeah. there's a boss in like something else. I forget. Um, yeah. And it's like right away, the game is going, what are you interested in without, yes. without saying anything? Yes. And I was like, that's what I want to do. I want my next campaign to be like, what is that? I don't know. <laughs> I want to like, know. I want to be like minimalist. Hmm. And I think it would be at least a fun experiment, maybe a short campaign. Uh, right. maybe, maybe not like a year long thing. We'll see how it goes. Um, but, uh, that's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I want to try that. It is that first shot is really well designed. And I, I kind of feel like, um, they actually managed to do that a second time when, uh, when you exit after beating Godric. Yes. Um, because you kind of emerge out of the starting area into like, okay, now you're in the big leagues. And it it's interesting to me that, that the game actually manages to pull off a moment like that twice where like it introduces you to this stuff and wows you in that kind of awe inspiring way once and then you start getting into things and you would think that you'd kind of be used to it, but then you get just gobsmacked with another huge Vista and it's really amazing. So being able to pull off something like that in, in a tabletop experience will be really interesting. I'll be, um, I can't wait to hear how that goes. Um, incidentally, that brings me to my topic for this evening, mm-hmm. um, 
which is I've recently uh, canceled the Curse of Strahd game that I was running. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, yeah. you know, a lot of stuff going on for me. And, you know, I just I I decided that it was time to sure. call it. Um, mm-hmm. Now, that having been said, I still thought that it was a very positive experience. And I I learned a lot of things. And, um, you know, it was it was a big growth experience for me. And I wanted to, I guess, kind of do like a like a postmortem or a retrospective on the campaign uh, as it was um, and just kind of chat about things that things that we like, things that we learned um, and things that we might want to try going forward, that sort of thing. Um, and let's make sure that we relate it to you know what we can kind of take away and learn from games that end whether that oh, sure you know just because nobody else has been in our campaign oh, um yeah so let's make sure that well i mean other than the people that were in it <laughs> right but uh yeah we're we want to make sure it's it's relatable and we'll do our best um oh, of course let's um but yeah i mean there's a lot you can take away from from ends and from the experience of a, of a campaign, whether that be, you know, an early, early, uh, cancellation or a completion or a TPK. Um, you know, there's always interesting things. And I think the, the vast majority, at least this is what I've heard other like YouTubers say, um, the vast majority of games don't, um, come to a conclusion. Right. Uh, or a, a narrative conclusion. They, they typically end early or the narrative conclusion is moved up significantly. Yeah. And I've had to do that a couple of times myself. Um, and it, it's a shame, but, you know. Yeah, it's the way it is. Sometimes it's the right call. Yeah, it is. Um, so I'll I think I'll I'll start by throwing it to you. Yeah. Um, Apart from the fact that we ended early, yeah. What did you think of the whole experience? So, I was reviewing player types with my students. Um, it's right in the beginning of the DMG, and it's something we've talked about before right. on this show. And I and I was like, kind of revisiting each one and reading them in detail. And I was going, which one of these am I? And mm. I realized I'm pretty much all of them. Um, with one exception, Hmm. I love optimization, but I won't let it get in the way of my theme. Um, I love fighting. I love instigation. That's probably number one. Hmm. Um, I have to make stuff happen. I like to explore. I like to act. I like to interact with NPCs and, and all that stuff. Um, I want everything that D and D has to offer save one thing, uh, which is problem solver. Mm. I would say that is the absolute bottom of my list. Um, Hmm. whenever I come up on a puzzle in a video game, I typically call my wife (laughs) 
Really? And I see if she can get me out of it. Uh, so I've done that in like Persona and God of War and stuff like that before. Where I'm just like, I just want to fight things and make my cool story decisions and date Makoto. Can you please get me out of this puzzle? <laughs> right. And uh, then she she's happy to oblige because she doesn't want to do any of the other parts. Right. Mm. So. So it's win win. And then nice. Then I, of course, get to recognize that I think she's smart and she appreciates that. There you go. So. When it comes to Curse of Strahd, I will say that my personal my personal experience of it was uh, very varied and I think that has more to do with me as a player than anything else because hmm. I think Curse of Strahd definitely has a lot for the problem solver to do and hmm. and I think that person is not me um, I think it's very much a couple of other people in our group and they wanted to um, analyze every scenario and mm. overthink, in my opinion, every scenario in a way that would bore me. Mm. Um, and it would cause me to check out a little bit. And that was difficult. That was mm. really difficult. And there were moments where I had a lot of fun, but I noticed it was the parts where I felt like I was playing Dungeons and Dragons. And where mm. I felt like, and like there were some social moments that I really enjoyed. Mm. Um, I will say that I was hit and miss with this. Yeah. Uh, being perfectly honest, I think everybody was to an extent. Mm -hmm. I, I was also trying to grow from this experience by allowing myself that vulnerability and, and being, you know, being okay with being afraid and being weak. Do you feel and like you accomplished that? I think I made strides. Mm. Um, I think it's helped some of my other characters express weakness more freely. And I mm. noticed that it tends to endear them. Yeah. Um, so like that makes a lot of sense. So like my bard in one of my games, um, who is like basically Mr. Handsome and, you know, 20 charisma and all that stuff. And sure. Um, I, I give him special circumstances where he can't get it together, where he can't, hmm. uh, where he can't verbalize properly or he acts awkwardly. And it usually like has that. to do with his love interest. So we had this scene where the, he meets his love interest's mother and he's like, I described how he was like trying too hard to impress her. You know, uh, and so so he would lose out on social grace a little bit when it really meant something to him when he wasn't playing the game anymore. Right. And I think and th that made him like kind of come down to earth a little bit. And I think people they thought that was cute. They liked that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's stuff like that that I think playing Curse of Strahd was was helpful. Because yeah. it was like a thing where you can't just shoot all your problems. Right. Um, I, yeah, I definitely got the, um, you know, I, I think on a, on a larger scale for, for myself, uh, it, it made me much more aware of, uh, of the different player types from a very practical standpoint. And it helped me to, 
to get a more practical understanding of how it how it feels to run for different types of people. Um, you know, it also kind of it gave me this this feeling that I don't know that I think that every campaign is for every player. Um, no, you know, I, I, I would tend to agree with that. Yeah, I I think like for you, I though I think it was a um, it was. And I think this can apply to both of us, right? I think we both learned something, but yes. it wasn't necessarily our jam. Um, because yeah. like you, when you ran goblins, that was just the best. <laughs> and when it, when it comes to like comedy, I think that's your strength personally. Mm. Like the, I think the most fun you ever had with curse of Strahd was playing Blinsky. Uh, Blinsky was so fun. W- whenever you got to ham, a character like you were you were in your like zone and you were like so happy being ridiculous and you know you did a good job of trying to push those um those dramatic moments as well and showing a lot of emotion there but you know you have good comic timing (laughs) Mm, thank (laughs) you and i think that you know again growth but I, I could see your next campaign being almost entirely the opposite again, right? Where Probably. it's like, like, maybe we could have a couple more dramatic moments to kind of give some uh, weight to the campaign that is otherwise still largely fun and silly. Um, right. And I think that is an Andrew campaign. Yeah. So, it, it, it made me realize that um, you know, while maybe gothic horror full on is maybe not necessarily my my bag or my wheelhouse, um, I did realize that I can that I can do it. Yeah, that and you that can, yeah. it's that it's not unapproachable. Um, yeah, because I think I feel like before with other things that I'd run, I'd lean hard into one specific thing and just kind of live there. Um, And it was gratifying to sit down with something outside my comfort zone and, and actually just have some success with it. Even if, you know, not every session was batting a thousand, but at the same time, there were, there were few sessions where few, if any, where I walked away feeling like, um, like like I didn't get it. Like I didn't get anything out of it, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we all have rough sessions and stuff, but yeah, I mean, I don't think we ever came away going, he's an incompetent GM like that. That's not well, a thank thing you. that occurred. Right. Good. You know, and everybody would always say, thank you. I had fun at the end and that sort of thing. And, and that's great. Um, 
Curse of Strahd is a is a campaign that is the favorite of many people. Uh, oh, definitely. I, I've watched a lot of videos where people rank the adventures, and Curse of Strahd is usually like number one uh, yeah. for for most people. And uh, I haven't played all the all the uh, adventures. Um, I one of the things it's really praised for is its structure and its yep. like. Um, its ability to sort of communicate and work with the GM. Uh, yeah. Whereas, you know, things like SKT are typically low rated, really low right. by the community because of its sort of cumbersome nature. Yeah. And, and I feel that I've also come to realize that um, I am not a module guy. Um, I don't want to run a module. Mm. If I, if I run anything about a module, it's just going to be the bones. I'm going to take ideas from it, but ultimately it's going to be a different story, which is maybe mm. more of the intent, but man, I, I feel so restricted and I don't know if you felt that way. I, you know, I module stuff is actually something I have written down on, uh, on my paper here too, because it, apart from way back when I, took a shot at running um I man Horde of the Dragon God, Queen how long yes Horde of the Dragon Queen yeah, um, I remember that one you know apart from that I hadn't run any modules uh and that was a long time ago yeah that was at the start yeah. of 5th edition which which was a while um yeah. and the and, you, and you killed my dragonborn fighter. Uh, uh <laughs> I, you know, I wouldn't trade that for anything. <laughs> no, it was a great death. <laughs> it was. It was hardcore, man. That's pretty cool. Uh, and I, I totally, totally feel the the restrictiveness or the potential for that sense of restrictiveness in trying to run a module. Um, one of one of the issues that I ran into in running Curse of Strahd was with the town of Velaki, um, where I I realized after the fact that uh, I I had been reading something that uh, Dragna Carta had put up on Twitter about running Velaki, and it struck me as this very kind of um, how do I say it? Like, like how did I not realize this at first? And it's when you're going through the book, which incidentally, if you're going to run a module, read the module first, have, have at least a vague understanding of the general, stuff that well, which you you had done that right i mean you had right, read it right um right. but it's also a different beast when you actually run it and it you actually right. you actually perform it and then you start to really realize what's working and what's not working for you right. um or like well, the night before where you're like okay i kind of know that this scene happens but why does it happen again like what is yeah. the really important connection here and you're like kind of combing through and trying to figure it out. Right. Um, so I, I totally get that. Um, but uh, what, what I had read 
uh, that Dragna Carta had said about Velaki in particular, because it's a quagmire that everyone running the campaign for the first time seems to run into. He's like the, the module has a bunch of these different things going on where there's, you know, potential interactions between, uh, between political rivals there are you know certain other corrupt individuals there are certain monsters that are up to various things there are other families that are involved in things in different ways and there are all these different disparate things that could be going on in Velaki. and he had said what it ultimately comes down to is you don't have to use all of them. Hmm. And to me, just that simple statement of just because the content is there in the book doesn't mean that just because you're running the module that you have to include everything that gets thrown into the module right because it it can be incredibly overwhelming and it can do things like hamper the pace of your game or you know just just throw off the focus of everything because i definitely found myself trying to go okay you know, almost like a checklist where I want to make sure that I hit all these different beats or include all these different things because I don't want to shortchange you guys and give you like a subpar experience or have you guys, you know, finish the game and later find out that there was all this other stuff that you could have done that I neglected to offer to you guys and stuff. When instead, I think it's more it ought to be treated more like a buffet where it's like you have all these options available to you and you have an idea of where you want the story to go or you know where the story should go and you just decide what pieces you want to use. And it's okay to decide not to use some pieces too. Well, yeah. You know, I have this kind of uh, completionist and I'm like this with video games, too. Like I I, I want to freaking 100 percent everything. I need to look in every dark little corner to make sure right, I yeah. didn't miss any loot, you know, all that sort of thing. And it can lead me into this difficult situation where I I feel like I have to do everything. And when you do that, that that's one of the things that can lead to burnout. And that's something that I, at least as a person, am very vulnerable to. So I hope Mm -hmm. that anyone listening to this can at least take that away and and go or rather and know that if you look at a module that you're trying to run, or even if you're homebrewing and maybe you just have a bunch of ideas, you don't have to use or do everything. 
No. Use what feels good to you. Leave off the things that don't, and it's okay. Like nobody's going to judge you, or if someone does, they're patently wrong. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's, it's also a matter of just management, like on your yeah. end and like in storm Kings, they, you get to a certain chapter and they're like, well, here's every location in the North right. and in alphabetical order. And it's just like pages and pages and pages of everywhere the players could possibly go. Right. Uh, it's incredibly overwhelming and, yeah. and it, and it's not helpful. So I immediately, started creating actual pathways or like at the end of a session, I would ask, where are you going? And then that would inform. And then I would even just be upfront with the party and say, here's the death trap. This module has set for me. Um, if you say you're going to Belliard, that's what's going to happen next week. Okay. Right. If, if you want to have a special experience and, and they were of course, super cool about that. Um, so, that's another you, thing that I actually uh, that I learned as well, because uh, you you make a good point. One of the things that I learned in terms of prep, I I used to just feel like I had to do everything sort of well, just sort of magically predict what you guys would do. Yeah. And it it I've realized when you're trying to figure out what the party's going to do next, if you don't know, <laughs> you, ask them. Yeah. You know, get well, it's like, it's like every relationship, right? right. Don't guess, ask. Right. right. That's like really key. And right. it's actually, it's actually a problem. I would say I see a lot of even very experienced GMs have, um, because not asking also leads to a feeling of a lack of control. Um, mm. it where How like so? a player might, might see that prediction as railroady, right? Because uh. like, let's say that there's towns, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And I initially show some interest in ENF and, um, so you go ahead and prep mostly E you're pretty sure I'm going there, but there's a little bit about F ready to go just in case. Right. right. And then I come back after a week of not thinking about the game that much. And then I go, you know, B actually is pretty cool. Right. Mm. And so then what I start seeing GMs do is like kind of hint or steer like maybe, you know, what about E you like E, you know, yeah. and then you feel, then you feel railroaded. And so, uh, the the DM is trying to like impress you and put everything on themselves and go along with what your characters are doing. And then you feel like he's doing the opposite of that. And then you're right. both going to be like upset, yeah, <laughs> you know, it can be because so, the other person's not appreciating you. Right. right. It can be really frustrating. Yeah. it You got to go ahead and don't just like ask what, are, what do you do? Like, you got to ask, like, you know, here are the clear options and which one do you think that you're interested in? Let's let's go with that. OK, that's where the detail is going to go. Right? right. So it's like when when you and I were learning how to do 3D modeling, 
back in college, right? Like you didn't you didn't put all your effort into the thing the player wasn't going to see. Oh, you know, yeah. You you wouldn't put polygons in the bottom of an object that was never going to tip over. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like that that made no sense. So, um, or like painting a set for a theater, you don't build a saloon, you build a facade, right? Yeah. So it's, it's part of the management, but it also allows you to put a lot of detail in a few places that people can really appreciate. Right. So, because we're not a video game and we don't have the luxury of being able to just pre-populate everything. And even with the help of a module, we can't sit there and memorize the book and, and then know everything that could possibly happen. Yeah. Um, You know, that's a, that's a recipe for disaster. Right. But at, at the very least, um, a module is very good, uh, at the very least as an idea, like, Absolutely. It can Absolutely. it can definitely give you even if you don't want to try to go beat for beat, it can give you a nice story framework. Um it can give you some cool monsters, some cool maps, some locations. Absolutely. You know, you can quest add, ideas, add, NPCs, like right. the list goes on. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to make a a world that is populated by nothing but Blinsky clones. Yeah. And uh, it <laughs> will like be the best place ever. <laughs> um, yeah, the the NPC I had the most fun with in Storm Kings was Zulkin Alessandar, who you meet like right in the beginning. He's like a Zentarm low level operative. Oh, and nice. Basically this like you're supposed to basically just kick his butt and move on. Right. Or make a deal <laughs> with him. And then you never, ever, ever see him again. Well, because of the circumstances of what happened in that game, but he was essentially successful in his endeavor. So he was promoted. Oh, good and, for him. And by the time the, so the party had spent their time, you know, leveling up and adventuring and stuff. So they run into him again by the time they're like level nine or something like level eight, level nine. Mm. And, and so they've moved up in the world, but so is he right. Uh. And he, um, you know, in a way is sort of nostalgic for the old days and actually wants to deal peaceably with the party. Um, Interesting. Even though they kind of hate his guts. <laughs> so oh, man. It, it made a really fun social dynamic. And there were a few other characters that really popped out, but it had a lot more to do with what I put into it. Sure. Um, as opposed to what was there, but what was there was useful. Yeah. And I think it's actually great for a module to keep things fairly open-ended um, yeah. without without being let's say aimless yeah right saying okay here's the whole north go nuts that sucks and i feel like in a lot of ways Velaki was kind of the same way yeah. where it was like here's a town go nuts where do you go you can't ask players that right because right. then everyone's gonna have a different answer or or like me, I'm just going to go, I don't care. Just uh, this, this guy is more forceful. I have no reason to pick one thing over another thing. So, Hey, you in my party, you have opinions. Where are we going? Yeah. And then, and then they're like, well, hold on. I need to know absolutely everything about everything that could possibly happen in every situation. And I'm like, 
Oh God, bored. Okay, Instigator is coming out. Uh, time to make trouble. <laughs> right, right. And then everyone's like, "Oh no, why are you being an instigator? You're ruining everything." And I'm like, "Leroy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right." Because yeah. I want to play D and D. So yeah. I can't wait for the next Andrew short campaign comedy romp. Mm. I think that's going to be so fun. And I think it's going to be even better than goblins. If I think so too, as difficult as that is to even imagine. I, Um, but, uh, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I'm kind of relieved that strong is over. Yeah, I am. I am. It was, it was a good learning experience for both of us. It was not my favorite. Um, and that's not really you. It's not you. It's me, Andrew. <laughs> I appreciate um, that. You know, <laughs> you know, you know, something, uh, something that you mentioned back with, uh, earlier, um, in, in this episode earlier this yeah. evening, um, you mentioned how with goblins that you guys had had the best time and that it you know just felt really good to you guys and that i seemed to be having a lot of fun too yeah and one thing that that strahd made me realize is that there is a certain type of player that i want to play with Mm. and and there are certain types of players, and I don't want anyone to take this the wrong way. By the way, I'm just going to lead with that. But there are certain kinds of players that I don't think I do want to play with. Not because they're bad players, but because I, as a GM, they just don't quite provide me with, with that feedback you need. With what I'm looking yeah. for. And that is like vocal enthusiastic engagement right let me yeah absolutely and the kind of thing you often give frankly and Mm. i think that um that that really i want to piggyback on that idea because something really poignant happened during class oh no i was talking about player types um this is not something i asked i was just trying to say like what do you enjoy from dungeons and dragons Hmm. and um, it was interesting. A couple of kids r- would raise their hand and they would say, well, as a GM, I like these things, but as a player, I like these things. And I was like, yeah. And at first I was like, well, that's not an option, but then I was like, wait, oh, it's totally, a no, thing. That's, that's actually brilliant. Right. And I started to realize, oh my gosh, there are things that I want as a GM that aren't the same as when I'm a player. And that's really cool. Like I, I'm not necessarily a big explorer, but I want explorers. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of a weird thing. And I am an instigator and I like some instigation. It totally makes sense when you think about it, because the way you're approaching the way you, and I mean you in the general sense, Right, right, right. Anybody, uh, approach playing a character who you are going to, you know, you're going to be in their head all the time. Um, That's a, 
it's a categorically different exercise than oh, yeah. being a GM. There, it's apples and oranges. You, Adam, when you GM, especially when you're home brewing, you you're a builder. You yeah. you're trying to craft something, and you want people to engage with the stuff you build. Yes, and hence wanting those explorers. For me, I am trying to create these these moments that will generate vocal emotional reactions. I want people laughing out loud. I want people cheering. I want people yelling. I want people to get involved <laughs> well, with yeah. with their you know, well, somebody we, will laugh at your jokes, you know, like, yeah. yeah, absolutely. You don't, you don't, by the way, this is what was terrible about teaching online, right? Among many things, mm. it's like everyone's got their mic and their camera off. And so you're just like, so here's Shouting the lesson into here's, the void, you know, and then I say something, I go, is anyone even listening to me at all? You know, and Need for the most part, the sound effect. It really was. Yeah. And and I totally get that, you know, and I know that there were times where we were like under selling. I think one of our players was particularly good at it, though. Um, mm-hmm. what, what, our, our younger player who was newer. Yeah. I think that he was really good about reacting to everything and and he, being kind of astonished when it when it would be called for. When he brought that to the the well virtual table i was so thrilled i mean that that's something that i was trying very hard to pull out of all of you for a long time un- until i got to the point where i realized okay this is this just isn't some people and that's okay right. like yeah. i i i realized even that um Recently in your game, uh, you had our characters go through these uh, personal trials and you put one together for a very quiet, reserved one of our players to try to get him who he's playing a barbarian and you basically were trying to get him to actually raise his voice and (laughs) shout and yell in order to get his rage back to reclaim the power of his rage. And while I loved it, I thought, I thought it was fun. It was clever. It was a neat idea. After the fact, I, it did have me thinking, you know, hit, the fact that like, was that the right thing to do? Was it the right thing to do? Because yeah, if that's, if that's not, trust me, I was questioning it the whole time. Like, right. Am I being a giant jerk right, right. now? Like, am I just torturing this guy? Um, and, and ultimately I ended up kind of compromising where sure. he gave me a little and that was enough. Right. And, um, and I thought that, I noticed when you did that and I appreciated it because I could see you going, okay, he's, 
he sees what I'm asking him to do at least a bit. And he's trying to maybe at least meet me halfway. And it, when you come to sit down at a, at the D and D table or any table for that matter, you should not feel put on the spot. You shouldn't, unless you are deliberately signing up to be made uncomfortable, you shouldn't be made uncomfortable. Which, which you're doing when you play Strahd, by the way. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. Um, but yeah, and I even talked to him the next day and I was like, did you did you enjoy that experience? Did you feel like I pushed you too hard mm. or was unfair? You know, and I was totally open for for anything. But yeah. he, he was like, no, it was it was fun. It was a little weird. It was a little uncomfortable, mm. but I did enjoy myself. And I was like, OK, well, that's I, good. I'm not I'm not going to ever do that again. But I appreciate that you made an effort. And I yeah. understand that you probably had other people in the house and you didn't really want to start shouting into a microphone. Right. And he was like, yeah, I definitely didn't want to do that. Yeah. But, you know, he tried. He, he, did, he try. did. He did his best. And there was a quick moment in there where it kind of shocked me uh how strong his language was or how strong mm-hmm. his emotion was and it was just a second yeah but it was like a reward for my efforts and i appreciate yeah. that so um yeah you guys you gotta be careful but it it was you know i had a good a relationship with experience him. Yeah. yeah, and I know him, and I figured, okay, you know, this isn't someone I barely know that I'm going to try to right. get deep right. personal problems out of, you know. Um, I think that, yeah, that, like that that's an important distinction, too. Like, Probably. You know, you, you weren't putting this on somebody who you didn't know or who you barely knew. Like, yeah, he, hi, he welcome had, to the table. Let's psychoanalyze you. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, he... <laughs> He at least knew that he was at a at the table with friends who are not, you know, looking to oh, yeah. judge him or And he's know. been playing with us for years, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a big so, boy. He can he can handle himself. Right. Um you know, he but yeah, absolutely. Um But yeah. So I I will I think, say Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, now, don't start that you. again. <laughs> no, please. Please, after you. Okay, okay. Um, ultimately, I thought that, I mean, in, in, in a lot of ways, we've kind of said it, but this was a good growth experience. I don't think it was your opus, and but I think that's coming. I also think that we need to get you back at the uh, physical table in some way, right? Oh, like, my God, yeah. Table D&D, I have come to just outright prefer there was a short time where I was like, no, I really like being on roll 20 and having all these assets and not having to like flip through a million books. Like that's really nice. I don't have to push the the pieces around. Um, I'm really enjoying probably more than any of my other games, my, my in-person stuff. Um, yeah. It's just great to roll dice. It's great to move pieces or even to not use pieces. I stop. In fact, I, uh, with my teenagers, my, uh, students, I've been, I've just been doing a uh, theater of the mind stuff. And Dude, I, and that's and I, used, I used to hate that. Weird. 
that's where my brain lives. Like that's yeah. In my Anomine days, like when Nate would run, we'd be sitting around the basement. And we wouldn't even have a table. We'd just be sitting in our chairs in 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 the basement. And you know, this is a nice finished basement. They had a couch and yeah. comfy chairs. And and Nate would get up in the in the middle of the floor and he'd be able to turn to each of us and he'd gesticulate and he'd you know perform and we would interact and you know when there's a fight scene he'd actually have us like get up and show us or have us show him like okay how are you gonna try to hit this dude or you know it was so involved and so engaging in a very intuitive way that just it grabbed a hold of your imagination because that's all you had. You know, it's it's yeah. like you don't have a map. You don't have minis. You don't have, you know, videos or anything. It's like you have to imagine it because that's all we're doing. And I think that at this point, you and I have been on Roll20 and other VTTs. Uh, really only like one other it was like map tool from like back in the day oh map um, tool jeez you know where all of our maps were just boxes basically yeah um and which is fine you know i know that like um sly flourish i think his favorite is just albear rodeo yep which is like the most like um minimal thing you know cuz he he doesn't want to fiddle with things that frankly don't matter and yeah more you know, power the, to the, him the, and the more and more I play, the more and more I start to like agree. No, you know, he's got I've, a point. I've gone full hog with animated maps on virtual tabletops. And, you know, there's a lot of fun and novelty about that. It's really cool, but oh, it's also definitely. more juggling and definitely like when you don't want to burn out. And I know this is something we haven't talked about yet. I know you burned out here. Yeah, I I know that part of it is your job and stuff, but I also know that it became a slog and a chore to do this. And yeah. it is something you have to develop as a GM. I have found is how to have fun in your own game. And what is that enjoyable part? So you've already talked a little bit about how you wanted those player reactions and didn't feel like you're always getting them. That's um, that's that is the gas in my engine. That's a gas. That's what that, fills your bucket. I'm just like, oh, absolutely. Okay. But you yeah. know, there's also other things about the preparation itself that yeah. need to be fun for you. Yeah, and you know, it's taken me many campaigns to get to a point where I look forward to prepping certain games. Mm. Um, and doing the parts of it that I do enjoy and focusing on those things and, and frankly, getting rid of the things or minimalizing the things that I don't want, don't enjoy as much that make it feel like a chore. The, uh, the, the, the Marie Kondo approach, right? Really? In in a way, joy. Yeah. No, No, but that's so true. Set it on fire. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just say thank you and throw it away for Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take it to Goodwill. Um, That's, but that's so also just on the money. Like there are times where I spend all day in an incarnate 
or something making maps. And sometimes I'm feeling really good and I'll, I'll finish the map and incarnate and then I'll put it into Photoshop and take it further. Right. And then I'll upload it with like different lighting and I'll have different versions of the map stacked on each other. Like for day or night or any other effect that could happen or battle damage. And there are other times where I go to one of my stock maps and I just throw it on there and I don't even do dynamic lighting, you know? And you know what? Nobody really cares. Yeah. Um, if if people are enjoying the game, like it doesn't matter. It's like Elden Ring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because like all that complaining that the like Ubisoft people were doing about the interface, right? Yeah. Like nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares that the PC version's not the best, right? Or that there's occasional texture problems. Okay, a few people care, but it doesn't take away from the fact that they still say this is a great game. Like, we're going to yeah. give it 96, even though it has these problems. Right. It's a perfect game without being the perfect game. Yeah. Right? Because it it does the thing that is important. Right. And so we got to figure out what that is for us in this hobby. You know what that that makes me think of too is um uh aside from from Elden Ring you look at a game like Vampire Survivors. And oh my gosh. For, what a for, great game. For anyone who hasn't <laughs> played Vampire Survivors, it's on Steam. I think it might be on mobile too. I'm not sure. I know that the 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 one dude who made this game as like as like a weekend project for himself just because he <laughs> wanted something to play around with and then it just blew up. Man, what a <laughs> nice problem to have. Uh, it's, it's absolutely the most fun you can possibly have for three dollars. It's it's incredible. And <laughs> and it's a game that I would go so far as to say is perfect because mm. I think what makes it a perfect game is that it knows what it is. Mm-hmm. It knows what it wants to do. It knows what it wants to be. And it does that thing. It doesn't worry about throwing in a bunch of superfluous nonsense or adding in a bunch of other features where you could take it or leave it. Everything where, where like the industry trend becomes for some reason, like the law of quote unquote good design. Right, right. And instead it just, it knows what it, as a game is trying to be, it's aware of its own identity and it just sticks to it and supports itself in its design. And I think, you know, more power to the GMs out there who love to use the, you know, high production value VTTs and they got all the cool assets and the three, 3d maps or animated maps you know you got all the crazy lighting and you know i've even seen like animated 
virtual minis and stuff like oh just yeah stuff where if you told me when i was a kid that this would be a thing i'd be like what um you know more and it's power cool. and and if they love that part by all means totally right? for you know. me it's you know i i always felt most in love with D&D and tabletop RPGs when when I didn't when I didn't have all the flash and all the all the stuff that grabs your attention because I feel at least for me personally that that it takes my attention away from from where my attention used to be you know, I had to come up with what the environment looked like in my head because all you had on our table was your your rollout wet erase Chessex grid map, and mm-hmm. you'd yep. bust out your your vis a vis you know wet erase markers, <laughs> your <laughs> yeah. overhead pens, and you know scribble all over it and give us and the having best. to explain this thing was meant to be a tree. <laughs> yeah yeah it's like what's the elevation here you're like oh actually this is a cliff it's not a hallway like you know things like that where you go oh okay and you're getting these new bits of information input into your mental image and you also get this situation where you conjure a unique experience for yourself where like we'd go home on, on BART for anyone who's completely unaware of the Bay area, the train basically a lot of people. Yeah. is uh, the Bay area rapid transit and it take us to and from San Francisco where school was. And it was a decent, train ride and we talk about the game that we play yeah we've been essentially doing inspiration points since college i mean that's why we started this whole thing (laughs) right because we were doing emails back and forth and going you know this is inefficient (laughs) yeah so let's make a show let's make a show that'll be easier that'll be it's not um (laughs) but you know my accounts of how i experience your games and your accounts of how you experienced your games were always interesting and different you know things that were a big deal to you and things that were a big deal to me were not always necessarily the same. And it was always fun to find out, you know, what you took away from the experience and what I took away from the experience and how those compared and contrasted. Uh, That's also one of my favorite questions. Did you expect us to do, or were we supposed to right? Yeah, um, and then saying actually no, like, and I was telling my uh, students this story the other day about the time you guys were exploring. In actually, this was pretty recent. Um, you guys were exploring this uh, old abandoned uh, manor, and uh, your character went over to a bookshelf. Oh yes, books. And I told my class, I was like, I had made the asset on the map of a bookshelf, and. 
all I had really been doing was trying to make it feel like a complete room. You know, put some clutter objects. In the past, I had made a lot of maps where things were specifically placed in order to be explored. So my players had been trained to comb through my visual assets like piles of leaves for instance (laughs) for instance yeah that's another great story and they you know and uh, and then here was this player who and it was you of course who was like what what is there any interesting books on the shelf and i'm thinking no there's not and then i was like why how come i didn't put an interesting book on this shelf what's Mm. wrong with me so i said so in that moment, I say, yes, there is. You find a sketchbook, right? There and you then, you're, then you're like, what's in the sketchbook? And I'm like, ah, dang it. Of course, of course. <laughs> what he have wants I to know done? <laughs> what, he wants to know what's in the sketchbook. So then I start filling in the sketchbook, and I start riffing, and it ends up being better than probably something I would have done had I actually pre-written it. It was um, it was great, you know. And it was great, and it provided a lot of foreshadowing and story, and for then, my money, yeah, I thought it was something that you had prepped. You, you, you did. And then I told you later that I had made up that whole thing. And you're like, so you made up the part that was basically my favorite part. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what do you take away from that? What do you take away from that? You know, it's like, and that has been a lesson hard learned is to just mm. leave myself enough room to breathe and to let that improvisation happen. Um, cause that's a big part of how I enjoy the game. And I, I don't want to feel overwhelmed or over encumbered. Mm-hmm. That's part of my, let's say GM identity. Yeah. I want to be physically and mentally comfortable at all times. Um, and I want to feel like I'm sitting at my command center and everything's essentially like a click away or, or a flip of a page. You know, I want to sit there with my one notebook. You know, you remember we had that one GM who would come over to the apartment mm-hmm. and his entire like trunk would be filled with his third edition books. Yep. And he would bring them up in several loads up the stairs. Yep. And then we would look at two of them. Yep. You know, and I was just like, that's not me, man. I want to sit there with my yeah. one notebook. Yep. And, and have that be it. So what would you say, you know, coming out of this is like your GM identity? Hmm. That's a, that's a tough question. Um, can give me, give me like an example or two. So we've already talked about one way in which you derive enjoyment. Yeah. When it comes to preparations, where do you want to spend your time? Man, like, do you want to make map assets? Do you want to simply use them? Do you want to get away from them? Do you just want splash pages? Do you, you know, Mm. like assuming you're not allowed to just sit in person, right? Assuming you have to play on a VTT, you know, what's that going to be next time? Is it, are you going to go with foundry and get as fancy as you can, or is it going to be fairly minimalist? Are you going to spend as much time on sound? I, you know, I was like, that part of that enjoyable experience. I like the idea of going at least visually minimalist. Um, mm-hmm. I, 
I really get tired of maps and having to figure out all these different graphical assets. And, you know, let's be clear. I know how to do them and yeah, I, of course, can, yeah. I can do them well. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to brag or anything. I just, you know, it's, it is something that's within my skill set, but it is not something that I find myself really enjoying. Um, where for me, I would love to be able to have a minimal uh, tabletop or even no tabletop. Like, to be quite honest, I wish that I could do just theater of the mind with sound. Um, I, I loved having Sirenscape. I, I still think one of my favorite GMing moments ever was the first session of our Curse of Strahd game where you guys were getting chased. Yeah, it was, you know, it put me in it. I felt Mm -hmm. like I was there and I was running the game. And and I still felt immersed. And that yeah. for me was very unique and special. Um and you, then you were playing with people that really like their grid. Yeah. And really spend time pouring over their builds and getting their tactics right. Um and they don't want to not use that grid. Yeah. That's- and so like that was already difficult. Although we all enjoyed that moment sure. where it was just a, a picture and sound. Yeah. I And I think that would be maybe a good place for you is just to find like concept art, you know, just splash art throw yeah. it out there. You just know, to have a visual thing to look at and then basically just listen. And thank you for kind of um helping me kind of uh work through my thoughts here. Cause I, mm-hmm. I think what I, what I really, I guess, I don't know if it's what I am, but it's what I want to be is I, I love when I want my RPG to be cinematic. I, yeah. I want it to just, I want it to feel like memorable moment after memorable yeah. moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and you want to sit in the director's chair a little bit more, you might say. Yeah, and and I, you know, I I want that back and forth. And when somebody is analyzing a grid or analyzing their build, they're that not interact. They're not interacting with me. Mm. And I'm here to play with you guys. Mm-hmm. I'm. I don't want to be here sitting in my chair waiting for you guys well, to do stuff with each other and 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 to be fair rather do stuff only with each other to to be fair when people are doing those things they may very well feel as if they are enjoying what you have made oh, absolutely right and absolutely. they do feel like they are engaging with you but it's not in the way in which you would like to be engaged correct Correct. Right. It's it's kind of getting back to the love language. Yep. Idea that we talked about before. And yeah, like, you know, we have one player who 
always likes to say, I'm sorry for engaging with you, with the thing you made. <laughs> right. Like, I'm sorry. I'm enjoying your setting, you know, and it's right. funny because it, they're trying to say like, don't complain. You know, I am having a good time just kind of in my own way. Right. right. Like you yeah. made a thing. Now I want to know everything about it. And I'm yeah. like, but I don't know everything about it. And I made 10 other things that I would like you to look at those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. 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 I want you, you want to be in the director's chair. I want to show my players, my cool collection of toys. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, I, I think, I think my ideal would, would be almost, I don't, I don't want to say like a GM less experience, but something where even as a GM, I feel like I'm playing, not managing, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I, I do. Um, cause I, cause it took me a long time to get to that point. Yeah. Where I feel like I am playing in the games I run. Um, not using a GM controlled PC because that would be a, a no, no. Yeah. But, um, but allowing myself discovery. Yeah. And allowing myself that improvisation for me personally has been kind of that, that secret sauce I've needed to make GMing rewarding where it's something where, I almost don't want to play that much. Right. Because I just so greatly prefer to run a game. And you know, that, that used to, I used to only run games out of necessity because nobody else would do it. The forever. And so the forever GM curse. Now I just, now I accept my curse and I, I like it. Yeah. I want to do that. You know, I, and that, that's where I think this idea of trying to define your GM identity is really important. Um, because that is how you learn to play your own game. Mm. And maybe that could almost be another topic for another day. But I will tell you this, Andrew, the best way to truly discover every um, part of that identity is to run games. Yeah. And it's good to take breaks 100%. But I hope you get back in that director's chair. I I hope you take a different approach and I hope you do it soon ish. I do, I do, I do plan on it. Um, one thing that has been kind of floating in the back of my mind for a while. Uh, and I, it's something that I've kind of struggled against and, um, you know, kind of fought with in my own mind, but I think, that honestly, at least when it comes to running, I honestly think that maybe D and D is just not the system for me. Hmm. Yeah. I I feel like D and D is built so many games to function a certain way. It's a war game. Yeah. And and a story game. It's both. And yeah. And if if you you're leave, not a war gamer. <laughs> if you leave one of those things out, you know, it just, and I've, I've heard you say this plenty of times, you know, at least relating to, you know, you want the dungeons, you want the dragons. And yes. if, if yeah, you dungeons and dragons is for me. Yeah. And if you leave yeah. out 
certain pillars and things like that, you know, there's certain elements that are, that are intrinsically tied to the soul of D and D. And I, I enjoy playing with those things. Like when it comes even, even to war gaming, I, I look at, like I go into a game store and I see people playing Warhammer and having like these armies marching across the field and like measuring out these different yeah. like lines of fire and all this stuff. I look at that and I go, that looks pretty fun. Dude, if we if we live nearby, and I think we've said this before, but it, it, like if we actually live near each other, I would 100% go halvesies on a Warhammer army. That would be freaking. And that we, would be we could hang out and paint and play and paint and play and paint and play. And dude, I am thinking that if I have to play 40K because no one plays fantasy, but <laughs> if I have to, it's got to be orcs, baby. We got to do orcs. <laughs> You know what I mean? Oh, like we man. just got to go full hog on the RPG. Oh, uh, not the RPG, the RNG. Oh, right. Man. And and just flip a coin to see if we're going to win or not. There you right? go. And just have fun being stupid orcs. Oh, like, man. That and having them look cool. You just <laughs> just go in and just just let them be completely insane. <laughs> right. Oh. And, but we both have to go halvesies on the cost so that we don't get divorced. All right. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Take out a second mortgage just to. That's, oh, my God. That's where all the inspiration point money is going to go is just straight into the Warhammer collection. Um, so yeah, if we spend everything we've ever made, we'll have like 10 points for our army. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll like three figurines. That's that's generous. That's generous. We, we just go, says, we go buy one orc hero unit put it on the table and just they're like where's the rest you go what do you mean rest well this was $400 so <laughs> i don't know <laughs> this is it this is all i don't know we- where all that came from that and, you have and that one poor orc hero unit has like 8000 machine guns leveled at it and you just get vaporized <laughs> in an instant and we go Congratulations on your victory, sir. Good game. Good game. <laughs> oh, that was fun. That was fun. Let's Why do people say this game takes forever? I don't know. It's so <laughs> that was really fast. That was snappy. Oh my god. <laughs> but, but yes, it's probably a good thing that we don't do that. Um I hope that you will find your jam, be that fate or wad or whatever and yeah. i hope to see that progress you know what i think would be a great idea mm. and i'm not asking for a commitment right now but uh i ran a short campaign for some of our patrons and guests mm. uh, based on dragon age and it was six sessions and it was promised to be six sessions and then it came to an end and it did mm. and everyone really had a good time mm. and i thought it was pretty darn successful I think doing something for our patrons one of these days, just a short campaign or even a one shot with something that's not Dungeons and Dragons. Just give them a taste of an Andrew game. Yeah, just a taste of Andrew. Oh, and who doesn't? The final boss is obviously Blinsky. Oh, you know. Welcome to Blinsky's. You come, you play with my puppets. He's not creepy or scary, he's unique. (laughs) 
You never seen <laughs> nothing like this, yes? <laughs> and Blinsky's new wife, who is, of course, a goblin. <laughs> oh god this is the most andrew campaign ever you know i'm gonna prep the andrew campaign for you as a module and you can <laughs> ben, i feel like i know enough you know i could probably do it you you prep it and you hand it to me and i go well this is just a module so According to this episode, I'm going to throw this out. I'm going to throw this out. It's okay, because you're going to accidentally do what I said anyway. I probably will. It's all just filled with predictions, essentially. It's just rank insanity. It's like, it's like when you're watching Westworld, and they're like looking at the data pad, and it's saying everything that they're saying. Totally. Um. <laughs> totally. Oh, man, yeah. It's, it's a little eerie, but... You, but you don't you don't not like it true true <laughs> oh uh, man. well it I, I would say sir that the time at this point has far spent yes it has but you know i i just want to say specifically to you thank you for being a part of my curse of strahd game thank you for trying to do something outside of your own comfort zone. And I, I really, I appreciated the experience and I appreciated you being there for it. And I know that there were difficult situations and tough asks that I put out there for this, campaign and this goes out to the other guys who were playing in the campaign too you know who you are um this was a unique experience for me and it was a massive uh bit of growth for me um and i i feel like i i learned a lot there are a lot of things i felt like i learned that i didn't even mention here tonight um, and I felt like I grew and I learned more about what I want. I learned more about what I don't want. Um, and you know, that I, I think in a way that's, that's kind of what inspiration point in general, just as a podcast, as a show is about, it's about us, the two of us and you, the audience, just thinking about this stuff, thinking about this hobby that we like, questioning some things, and thinking about what it, what things we like, what things we don't like, what brings us joy and pleasure when we engage with this hobby, because it's, it is very special, and it's also very personal. And we all have different views and preferences when it comes to how we how we really love to engage with the hobby. And there are there are places where we can come together. There are places where we as individuals might diverge. And both of those are okay. And I'm. I'm starting to 
get a much deeper appreciation for and acceptance of that idea. And that's, that's not something that I think I maybe at least fully understood about myself before that I, that I feel like I understand much more now. So I'm very grateful for that. And value was indeed had. And um, I think that's, that's ultimately what we're going for. And of course, a closed campaign can lead to new possibilities. There you go. And that's always very exciting. I have to say, like, my, usually my favorite sessions are session zero in a lot of ways. Um, oh, yeah. It's so fun to just have possibility and discussion oh, man. and creation. I, I will say, I, I think at the very least, one of my strong suits are first sessions mm-hmm. i i do good first sessions drawing it out i don't know but man i'll intro you so hard <laughs> hey man even game of thrones botched the ending you know it's just the way it goes <laughs> that makes me feel so much better see if game of thrones thanks just, david and dan if game of thrones just quit after season five, do you know how much happier everybody would be? You know, everybody would still be talking about how magical and wonderful that show was. Yep. Um, instead yep. of like the derision it now has. You, really you know what? Because it still really was a great show for a long time. You know what show really did great was Shit's Creek. That show, <laughs> man, every I thought season. it was just a cake. No, it was terrific, man. Moira was hilarious. Anyway, oh, probably better wrap this up. This is going to turn into one of our uh, one of our early earliest season one episodes. Um, yeah, we're we're getting there. Thank you all for hanging out with us. If you'd like to support the show, head on over to patreon.com slash inspiration point. Check out the different tiers. And if you jump in at the top tier, you can enjoy yourself an Adam Power campaign. And who knows? Maybe one day an Andrew game. Maybe. Maybe. No promises. Just going to dangle that carrot out there, and I may snatch it away, never to be seen again. Who knows? <laughs> Otherwise, you can also find us over at inspirationpoint.buzzsprout.com. And on the website, if uh, you look in the upper right-hand corner, if you're on a desktop computer or in the top center, if you're on mobile, you'll see three bubbles that can take you directly to our Facebook, Twitter, and Patreon if you would like to engage with us that way. And lastly, I have a special request for anyone listening to the show and who is stuck around this long. Please go tell your friends. Help us spread the secret ingredient of love. Help us bring more people joy in this hobby. And let's let's try to make some new friends, huh? Let's uh let's bring some folks into the fold. Cause uh frankly, that'd be a lot of fun. So true parting thought, take a look at the experiences you've had running games and if you haven't run a game think about why you haven't run 
and what you might like to do when you run. And if you don't want to run D&D, don't believe the hype. It's not actually sacrilege to not want to run D&D. There are a ton of super duper cool systems out there for all kinds of genres from, you know, sci-fi, fantasy, a mixture of both. You can do modern campaigns. You can do, shoot, there are rom-com RPGs for crying out loud. There is something out there for everyone. You just got to poke around and look a bit. And if you're on our Discord, you can ask Spike because he probably has it. Um, <laughs> so Yeah, probably. <laughs> all that being said, thanks again for hanging out with us. And until next time, stay inspired. Bye. Bye-bye.